from the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Benker Show, where men and women are equal in value, but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week as we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the year 2022. Doesn't that sound so futuristic? I don't know. It does to me. Very strange sounding. I hope you all had a great Christmas and that you are feeling stronger and more hopeful than ever about the future, which, let's be honest, is super hard to do these days. I don't know about you guys, but I listen to a lot less news than I used to. I've pretty much checked out of politics, not in terms of being aware of what's going on, but just trying to muster any gumption for anything, like caring enough, you know? Because I think our entire government is a mess, as is the media. And people just don't have any faith left in, you know, either one of these things. In fact, listen to this. A new Gallup poll shows that America's trust in media has dipped to second lowest on record. I'll have that link for you in the show notes in case you want to read more about it. But listen to this. The most striking aspect of this finding is that 68% of Democrats trust the media. Well, of course, they're going to trust their buddies because that's where the that's where Democrats reside, compared to 31% of independents and 11% of Republicans. This is such a massive divide in our country that I don't personally think is going to get better. People are so far apart in terms of their worldviews that there's just no common ground anymore. The left and the right used to agree on some very basic principles, like the fact that the U.S. is the freest country on earth. Well, I shouldn't say the left and the right. I should say Republicans and Democrats. Because, I don't know, you can't even really refer to people as Republican and Democrat anymore, in my opinion. But anyway, they used to agree on these, these, these very basic principles, like the fact that the U.S. is the freest country on earth, the fact that there's a God, the fact that marriage and family are the bedrock of any good society. And then there's the fact that men and women are drastically different. All of that is gone. I mean, it's not gone, but the agreement on it, that those are basic principles, that's gone. One thing I've consistently believed about this post-pandemic world is that the response to COVID, not COVID itself, but the response from those in charge, has made weak relationships weaker and strong relationships stronger. Those whose relationships were hanging by a thread or who were just going through the motions without people really knowing each other have been blown wide open in COVID. People have taken sides on this matter. And so there's just no more hiding who you are at your core in the aftermath of this pandemic. So I wish there was better news about the state of love and marriage, but there's just no question that marriage is on its way out as being the norm in America, which is really scary. And it means countless relationships are going to continue to struggle as we move more and more away from a family first focus toward a more individualistic society. So that's the bad news. The good news is that just because this is happening and just because other people are going to struggle in finding the love that they seek and building families and all the rest doesn't mean you have to as well. No matter what signals the culture may send, the fact remains that some things in life are timeless. Society may change, but human nature does not. Children's needs do not. How to be healthy and fit does not. God does not. 
These are all things that remain constant in an ever-changing world. And the people who understand this and who accept it are the people who win at life and at love. Is it harder to live by a set of principles that the culture doesn't espouse? Absolutely. But honestly, that's exactly why I do what I do. Because people need to be inspired to listen to their gut, to do what they know to be right in an environment that tells them they're wrong. So in that vein, I've come up with 10 of the most pressing reasons modern love is such a mess. Not for the purpose of being a Debbie Downer, but to remind people that there's a completely different way to do life than the one our culture encourages. Whether you're single or married, something in this list will definitely apply to you. Okay, number one. What is the first thing that I thought of that has caused or that is causing love to be so much harder today? It's going to sound very simple, but I don't believe that it is. And that is your marriage mindset. Your mindset. I cannot tell you how significant this is in terms of whether or not um, your relationship will survive the test of time. People, you're either, the people are bringing either a negative or a mismatch view of marriage as an institution to their relationship, which is more often than not based, well, almost always is based on what you experienced as a child, right? Like we all have a takeaway about the relationship between women and men and marriage based on what we saw growing up. There's just no getting around that. All of us do. And we don't necessarily realize that we're taking that with us as we go through life. So it's not often assumed that when we're dating someone that we're going to talk about marriage as an institution, right? You're really just getting to know each other. um, And you, you don't think about it in that way. But really, in the way that you're communicating when you are dating someone, you're, you are communicating what you think of that. I mean, there's no way around it, you know, cause you're going to be presumably talking about your upbringing anyway, and what it is you want for yourself and what your life goals are. So having that conversation about what, what you view, how you think about marriage um, matters. It matters because if one person doesn't, have it at the forefront of their life goals. If, if being, if, if getting married and staying married isn't number one, then chances are they're not going to put in the effort that is needed to be successful in that, in that domain. So if somebody else, which, which makes it uneven, if you end up marrying somebody whose view of marriage is very different and expects to be all in and um, putting that first and showing that in, in, all kinds of ways and the way they prioritize their time, let's say, for example. And it's not just the priority of it, but also your belief in it. You know, um, if you think that it can work, um, and, and of course you, you were dealing with lots of people who are products of, or who just want it to work, let's put it that way. We're dealing with people who are products of divorce, but they want to do things opposite of the way their parents did them. They want to get it right. 
So that can propel them toward making choices that allow the marriage to, to do its thing, to do what it needs to do. Um, and if you're married to someone, like I said, who doesn't have that same approach to it, you're going to struggle. So even though it seems simple, what your view of marriage is matters. And generally speaking, it's based on what you saw growing up. You know, if you saw somebody, if you thought somebody got a raw, raw deal, instead of seeing what happened with your parents' marriage for what it is, you make these erroneous conclusions about marriage itself. And that's where people get into trouble. So rather than saying, okay, that was their story. This is mine. And there's nothing wrong with marriage as an institution. It's just something wrong with the way my parents went about it. So I'm going to do it this way. That's very different from taking the, you know, taking away a different um, conclusion, like marriage is unfair to women or marriage is, um, you know, inherently, well, you know, how, you know, the call the culture thinks of it as patriarchal institution designed to hold women down. Well, that you're not going to get anywhere with somebody like that, obviously. So your marriage mindset is one of the 10 things that make modern love today and modern marriage such a mess. Not either not making sure that yours matches your partner's and or bringing a negative rather than a positive view of marriage itself. Number two, prioritizing money and career over love. This is another reason why marriage and relationships are so damn difficult because people are prioritizing the wrong thing. And they have been encouraged to do this from the time they're in school, that your whole life is going to be your career and making money, 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 money. Everything's about money. How's it going to affect your financial life? Like there's just so much conversation about money um, that, that the idea is that the more money you make, this is the takeaway for people who are hearing this message, the better your life is going to be. And Wow, what a bad message that is and a wrong one because it is so not true. It's not about the more money you have, the happier you are or the better your life is or the more secure it is. That's, it's about what you do with that money. It's not the, 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 the salary you make per se, which is not to say that if your salary is 20000 versus 100000 you can you know win with your finances either way because if it's I'm not talking about anything that dramatic. I'm just saying how whether or not you build wealth has a lot more to do with what you do with your money than it does with how much money you make. That's my point. But I don't think that's the message that young people are getting. It's all more, the more is better. More is better. And in the search for more and in the climb and the focus being on this career and on making money, love and family get, get put on the back burner invariably. So the priority is money at the center, money and career at the center, and then your family is supposed to just sort of orbit around that rather than the, ab the complete opposite of that, which is the way people have been doing it since the beginning of time. Family first. That other stuff just, just allows the, the center part to do its thing. We've reversed that. And so there's a domino effect of putting marriage in particular on the back burner 
while you focus on building this financial core, for lack of a better word. So what are the, some of those, um, what, what are some of those effects? Number one, look, let's talk about the dating process. If your whole focus is on your career and making money for years, and you just think to yourself, I'll worry about love and relationships later and family and marriage and all of that. You're, you're, you're accumulating one of two things, depending on who you are as a person, either you are moving in and out of several long-term potentially lasting relationships that don't work out again, because the priority isn't on making it work out. The priority is on your career that wind up creating tremendous baggage and tremendous heartache on the road to finding quote unquote, the one later down the road. And that carries with you when you do throughout your life. And, and when you do finally settle down, settle down with one person. Or you might be the person who is not getting involved in that way with other people. And they're just having a lot of sexual partners. You know, they're basically just not allowing themselves to get emotionally invested in anybody until they're quote unquote ready down the line. If only life could work out that way, that would be lovely. But when you do that, you end up just having sex with a lot of people essentially. And that's very harmful for your psych, for your, for your entire emotional health. And it's, and it's not good for your marriage because Research has shown that the more sexual partners you had, the weaker your marriage is. And that has a lot to do with having given yourself to so many people that when you finally go to do it with the one, it's not so easy. These are, this is sort of a hush hush um, research. Nobody wants to talk about this because it's so not PC, but the research has been done on that. And so very, very, the idea of putting love and family on the back burner with a focus being on money and career has been the status quo for such a long time, but it has backfired in my opinion. I'm going to do a whole separate episode on when to marry and how to best make that happen, but I'm not going to get into that today. Another effect of putting that on the back burner is that you're accumulating a lot of debt invariably that is what's happening today with people who are going back to school and even when they can't afford it, they're taking it on again because the priority is education over love and family and relationships instead of alongside it. Right. The idea that you, that, that one is in competition with the other is the problem because invariably when that happens, you have to, you're going to end up having to prioritize something. You have to pick your time and your focus. And if you're choosing that to be on money and career, then invariably the other stuff gets put on the back burner. And so it's not getting the attention that it needs, which means it's not going to, I mean, anything you don't spend attention on is not going to do as well as the thing that you do spend the time on. So you accumulate all this debt and then you're going to bring that um, in, into your marriage. And um, which isn't the worst thing in the world, as long as both people are handling that the same way. And we're going to come back to that, to the money thing on number seven. So hold on to that. And then also the third thing is becoming set in your ways. You get very set in your ways when you are focused solely on yourself and your career and money. And you think you're going to be able 10 years down the road to just blend your life with someone else's, but that's not very easy to do down the line once you've become set in your independent ways. So all of which is to say, this is the domino effect of prioritizing money and career over love. 
when you're not focused on finding the one early enough on, and you're focused on money and career, there's a, there's a, there's an inevitable fallout of that. That's all I'm saying. So that makes, that makes love and marriage all the more difficult. Number three, the undeniable influence of feminism in our culture, which encourages women to fight biology at all costs. And the parents who go along with this, so that they don't seem out of touch. You know, the whole idea has been, yes, women need to, women have been held back for eons. And so they need to do everything they can to catch up with men. This whole mentality that is so wrong from the get-go is encouraging women to, again, focus exclusively on career. And so the idea that they have control over their bodies is kind of part and parcel of this message. Hey, worry about that later. Go focus on your career. This is going to be the whole, you know, your the be all end all of your life. It's going to bring you happiness. You need to make money, money, money. And, you know, the, the, the body thing, the fact that your body wants to, um, the fact that your body is the one that has kids, has babies. Don't worry about it. We can make that work. We're going to use all these other, um, means to to allow that to happen. So, for example, I was in a conversation with a neighbor neighbor the other day, and his thirty five year old daughter is having trouble getting pregnant. Surprise, surprise. Um, and and wished that she had frozen her eggs early on, and then all of a sudden this would have been easy, and she wouldn't be in this boat. But of course, that's not the answer either, because that's got problems of its own as well. So this all this manipulation of biology to try to make a life work according to our plans by prioritizing money and career over love and family. That's this, you're noticing a theme here, right? Um, there's just, there's these hidden costs to all of this. And that's because when you don't work with the biology you've been given and you try to mess with it, it you're going to struggle. You're going to not more than struggle. Sometimes you're just not going to get at all what you what you wanted down the line because you weren't thinking long term and working with the biology that you that you've been given. So I mean essentially we're still in the midst of a huge experiment over these last 30 or 40 years. Back in the day when it was assumed that women were going to have children and then raise them, there was no need to explain for example why it's necessary to be there in the early years because mothers were there. So there was there was no reason for the conversation to ever come up. It's only been since they are no longer there that people are in the boat of having to explain why it's so crucial to be there um, and to work with their bo- work with your body and why it's easier that way. It's like it was just it was just automatic back in the day, and now it requires an explanation as to why it's better to to go with what works. And, and people aren't having that conversation, again, because they don't want to seem out of touch. So that undeniable influence of feminism that's coming from our culture is very much still coming from our parents just as much, who are not saying, hey, you know, the culture is telling you this, but here's the reality of it. Um, that's just not happening. So the two main ways I was thinking about feminism and its influences. One is trying to beat the clock. Okay. Your, your biological clock thinking that you can do that. And then B women, women's and men's belief in sexual equality creates problems 
It creates massive conflict regarding work and family matters that people in the past never had to deal with because they accepted human nature. They accepted male and female differences. They worked within that. Um, well, let's not go back to that because here's where we are today. The bottom line is it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It, it was one extreme then it's one extreme now. And I'm saying there's a middle way to deal with it. And if you've been listening to me long enough, you, you know, my thoughts on all of that, but there's no reason to have so much conflict regarding work and family. If you work this out in advance and you accept that men and women are not the same and you work with it, but with feminism's influence, all that gets thrown out, making love and relationships all the harder. Relationships become competitive rather than complementary, which becomes more obvious after the kids come along because women's reaction to being breadwinners and mothers is not pretty at all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that's it. We've made the relationship so much com so competitive instead of complementary that obviously love and relationships are that much harder than they ever were. Number four, believing that you can have it all at once rather than piecemeal. So women are not encouraged to sequence their lives or to think long-term, which is so crucial to being successful in love and in marriage because if you don't think long-term, you're going to make decisions that are just good for you for tomorrow or next year, and then get yourself in a pickle down the line. So there's a whole different way to do life for women. And that, that, that requires foresight, forethought, planning, thinking long-term, accepting the seasons of your life, um, understanding that you can't have it all at once. And by the way, nobody can, it's not a male or a female thing. No one can. So if you don't accept that, you're going to end up creating a life and a relationship that's 10 times more difficult than it needs to be. Number five, not living near family. So this is, this is a really big, really big deal for people that gets very little play. I mean, I never hear about it, but because we're such a transient society and women in particular now go away far away from their home to go to school, you know, where you go to school almost always will direct your, your, um, future from that point. Because once you make that decision, then the other decision about where you're going to work tends to also be away from home. And all of this is fine and dandy until 10 years have passed and you're at home with a small baby and you're married, let's say, and you're far away from your family of origin and you have absolutely no help and you are despondent and you're not liking motherhood because you don't have family around to help. So nobody takes people through that whole process of understanding that every decision you make builds upon another. So I'm not saying that you should never go away to school. I mean, my own kids have, well, one of them, one's closer than the other have done it, but I did it, but I can tell you it led me in that direction. So I know this from experience and it took a lot to get myself back to my home in order to create that life that I wanted. And I'm not suggesting everybody wants that. Maybe you don't care whether or not, maybe you don't even want to live near your family of origin. That's fine. But there, I'm, all I'm saying is that there are many people who get themselves in this boat that make love, marriage, family, all that so much more difficult even finding someone more difficult because they're out in the world 
for financial slash career reasons, not giving any thought to how it's going to affect their personal lives, their love lives, their ability to get married and have a family and be happy and all of that until it's too late. And so again, you again, another running theme is thinking long-term and getting yourself back to where you ultimately want to be. And rather than just not having that conversation at all and assuming that it's not going to be an issue and, and not living near one's family makes love or marriage and family hard in a way that it, again, it wasn't in the past. So all of these things, remember, we're talking about things that are making this so much harder today, such a mess that people are struggling and people aren't talking about how it is that we got here and what we can do differently so that the doesn't end up so that you don't end up in that boat. Number six, this one's going to be really obvious. The decline in religion. I think most of you know that religion has taken a huge, just a massive nosedive in this country. It's, it's kind of shocking, actually. It's really dramatic. And there's just no question that the decline in religion is going to affect people's success when it comes to love and family and sex and relationships and all of that, because it's all related. We also know that people who attend church regularly marry at much higher rates for a majority of the, and for, sorry, and for the majority of the population, those who attend church frequently also divorce at lower rates than the rest of the population. Again, I'll have this stat in the show notes for those who want to read more, which is not to say that if you're religious, you will, you're uh, immune to divorce. That's, that's not my point. But the fact remains that people who are more religious do get married earlier, have larger families, um, and have more stable lives. There's, there's a direct connection there, you know, to try and do, to, to try to live your life, um, with another human being for decades and build a family and do all that without religion is, is a harder path. There is just no question about it. I don't even think people who don't partake can, cannot see that. Um, although I'm sure there are people who, who will, you know, um, defend the opposite very strongly. And I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm saying it's harder. It's harder to do life without God. It's harder to do, it's harder to raise a family without religion. It's just, it just is. And so obviously it's going to be weaker. Number seven, this is a huge one. This goes back to what I mentioned before, how young people in particular think about money. I cannot tell you, I mean, it is, it is, it is a modern phenomenon that people, that young couples come to marriage with a mentality that is, sorry, with a his and hers mentality rather than an ours, which is really interesting. I just thought of this now. That's not how they do anything else. Every, when it comes to men and women and marriage and family, everything is now we, right? We get pregnant. We do this, we do that. It's we're one, you know, because we're not supposed to be different in any way. But yet when it comes to money, there's no we at all. It's all yours and mine, his and out, his and hers. And the idea of combining the finances is so daunting that they just don't do it. And they don't realize that they're not doing marriage the way it's meant to be done. And that is why it's weaker. It's not meant to be yours and mine and prenups and um you know, if you bring student debt to the table, you pile that debt into a pile, into the middle of the table, right? And you tack it together. And people who work as a team financially 
will become wealthy. They will, their relationships will be stronger and their bank accounts will be fatter if they work together. But as long as you're working with this mentality of that's yours, that's mine, you are either not going to be successful or it's going to take you twice as long, or there's going to be a lot of conflict. It's just a completely different kind of marriage. It's not really marriage. It's like your roommates trying to make marriage work. And it, and it just doesn't. I see it all the time. So how young people think about money, which is kind of part and parcel about how we open this whole thing of money and career over love and family and marriage and all the rest. It's a completely different mindset. And it's not one that's conducive to having a successful marriage or relationship. Number eight, the proliferation of social media. This one's kind of a given. And again, I'm not going to go into, I'm not going to do a deep dive on any one of these because there's so many, there's 10 that we're talking about today and they could almost have their own episodes for each one. But I've talked about social media before. Um, I had my daughter on a couple of weeks ago. If you want to find that and you didn't hear that, although I didn't talk a whole lot about it with respect to marriage, because she's just, just with respect to relationships because she's younger, but look, there's just, it's, we know what social media is filled with. It's all about temptations and comparisons. That's really what it comes down to. You're inundated with temptations and comparisons with social media all day long. If you are an avid social media user, and if you think that's not going to make love harder, make relationships harder, make family marriage harder, you're nuts. There's just no way it can't. There's no way it can't. So social media is a big one in terms of why modern love is such a mess because it's not designed to have that influence in a working relationship that's going somewhere and that you want to be strong and healthy and fit. Number nine, this is another big one and it's women's ridiculously high expectations. And notice here I'm saying women because as a rule, men do not have inflated or really high expectations of women or marriage. They are pretty clear on what is involved and what they need. And their needs are so, so fewer, so much fewer, so many fewer, so many. They have so many fewer needs than women do that if they have the basics down, they're pretty much good to go. That's not the case for women. Their list can be 10 pages long about what they want and what they expect. And that expectation that they can have all of that all wrapped up in one man and in one marriage is impeding their ability to be successful at marriage and or love. It's their own expectations. Sim by simply lowering your expectations, you're going to do a world of good for your marriage and relationship. Just simply, if you did nothing else but just lowered your expectations, you're going to see an improvement. And a lot of people are offended by the idea of having low expectations. I always say that low expectations is the key to happiness. Um, but I get a lot of flack for that because it's so countercultural. You know, the idea is that you're supposed to aim for the, you know, shoot for the stars and never settle for anything less than the best. And that's so empowering when you hear it. And I'm thinking, no, it's totally disempowering because you're expecting too much. You want too much. Yes, there is such thing as wanting too much and expecting too much. If you want to be successful at something, then you have to accept the limitations that are going to be in place for, um, for your relationship. 
And so, and you can't do it all and have it all. And there, it's so liberating to, to just release yourself of that narrative. To me, it's significantly more empowering to release yourself of that to, than to hold on to it and try to prove something that can't be proved. So this isn't about accepting anything you can get and having no expectations. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if your expectations are so high, then lowering them isn't bad. Lowering them might be bad if you don't have a lot of expectations and then you lower them so much that you're thinking, well, as long as, long as I'm married, I'm good. That's not what I mean. I just mean be realistic. And if your expectations are too high, then um, lowering them is, is reasonable. It's a reasonable thing to suggest. It's not, it's not nutty. And number 10, the, the number 10 reason why modern love is such a mess today is our anti-male, anti-marriage culture. And that kind of speaks for itself. Unfortunately, we can't do a whole lot about that in and of itself, except to know that you are not going to get the support and encouragement that you need from our culture because it is anti-male and anti-marriage. It just is. And I don't see it going away anytime soon. Again, going back to my point that if you want to win at this thing called love, if you want to get married and stay married, you have to be countercultural. Marriage and relationships have never been more tenuous, but it is possible to avoid the mess. The first order of business is to tune out the voices around you. And this can include your parents, by the way, if they're steering you in the direction you don't want to go, in a direction you don't want to go, which is admittedly really hard to do. I get that. But it has to be done. I mean, even if your parents are putting pulling you toward one life and you want a different one, you have to be able to tune them out if you're a grown woman or man as much as you do the culture. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, that's not easy because it's hard enough to do the culture, but to have to do your parents and the culture together is, is twice as difficult. I never had to do that. I never got these messages um, from my parents that I did from the culture. And in fact, I kind of think that's why I haven't, well, I don't think, I know that's why I haven't suffered in the same way. Um, I didn't grapple with these things the way a lot of people do because the messages I got at home were so dramatically different from the cultures. And I, I think that's the same case with my own kids. And so it's, 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 I'm not under, I'm not trying to understate how hard it is um, to go against your own parents if they're sending you opposite message or the, if they're sending you the same messages that the culture is. It's, it's not easy, but it, at the end of the day, it still has to be done in order for you to become successful. I mean, going against the grain is hard. Look at, look at weight loss, right? It's never in the history of time been harder to lose weight or to stay fit than it is today. I mean, we have a business, a booming business in, in um, helping people lose weight. The temptations that surround us, the lifestyles we live, and the wide availability of convenience, food, convenience foods mean or fast food means that those who are serious about getting healthy or being healthy have to go out of their way to make it happen in a way that people didn't have to do a long time ago. That's why the obesity rate is skyrocketed because it's much harder to do what you need to do when the people around you are doing something else. I mean, it's a thousand times harder. 
And it's no different when it comes to love and marriage. Social media alone proves this in spades. These things were a non-issue for our parents and every other generation before them. Social media, porn use, work-family conflict, the demise of religion, all of these are modern phenomena. I mean, our parents had other things to deal with (laughs) of bigger nature, like war and the Depression, for example, but those things had a beginning and an end. The negative stuff people deal with today is infused into the culture. It's, It's here to stay. And there doesn't appear to be a door that can be opened to get out of the mess. That's the problem. But there is a door. There are people who get it right. And you need to seek them out. Look for partners who've had a similar upbringing, if you're still single. And if they haven't, then at least value, if they haven't had the same upbringing, that that they at least value and want and believe in the same things you do so that you have a common mission. This will go very far in helping you find love and sustain it. It allows you to weed out people right away who are not a match. From what I've seen, there's just too much wasting time on relationships that are going nowhere. Again, why? Because people's priorities are so off kilter. You're so focused. People have been so groomed to be focused on money and career that I mean, what are you going to do in the meantime while you're doing that? You know, obviously you're a human being, so you're going to get involved in a relationship, but you end up spending time with people that you otherwise wouldn't if you knew that it was time to get married, right? And And that's why when you're 30 years old, everything looks different when you're a woman. So I'm going to recap really quickly, 10 reasons modern love is such a mess. So from the get go, I'm saying, forget all that. You should be able to know in the first few dates whether or not a relationship is going to last. And do not waste time on relationships that are going nowhere. I've seen so much of this lately that has compelled me to create a course this year so that people can do just that. Determine right away whether or not a relationship is worth pursuing if your ultimate goal is a relationship that lasts which I still, I'm still going to assume that for most people it is. So I'll be talking quite a bit about that in the coming months. Number one, a negative or mismatched marriage mindset. Number two, prioritizing money and career over love and family. Number three, the undeniable influence of feminism on our culture. Number four, believing you can have it all at once. Number five, not living near family. Number six, the decline in religion. Number seven, how young people in particular think about money, the his and hers rather than the ours mentality. Number eight, the proliferation of social media. Number nine, women's ridiculously high expectations. And number 10, our anti-male, anti-marriage culture. Those are the ones I could, that to me, I've seen the most of and that, that are undeniably making this whole thing this whole marriage and family and relationship and dating, all of it, sex, all of it, 
a thousand times more difficult. I might have missed some, but those are the ones I came up with. So I hope that helps. And that ends this hour of The Suzanne Banker Show. As always, please share this episode with at least one friend you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using. Finally, the best way to reach me is Suzanne at the Suzanne Banker Show dot com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.